Hello, this is Pastor Patrick Hines, and I wanted to get a podcast in here before I head out to uh, uh, go to the conference in uh, Reformation Bible College with some of my kids, and uh, hopefully that will be streamed on their YouTube channel. I didn't see links up to it yet, but if if they come out, I'm going to try to get those sent out to the church. But I wanted to do a special uh, podcast um, on one of my least favorite topics, uh, and that is the Federal Vision and Doug Wilson. And um, I, I've been handed a number of statements by uh, Wilson, by some of his fans, trying to say that he does believe the biblical gospel, etc. And so they'll give me statements, and there's videos where he, he basically just sits and reads from um, the Westminster Confession uh, chapter on justification, uh, as if he, he really does believe it. And I have said again and again and again and again and again that the issue is not the definition of justification that he holds. The issue is his definition of saving faith. That's where the problem is. Now, the Federal Vision um, is a heretical movement. Um, it was uh, and, and continues to be. Um, a, a, I look at it as a non-Christian uh, perspective because it denies what scripture teaches about justification by faith alone. Um, It denies uh, what scripture teaches about how we have assurance. It denies what scripture teaches about sacraments. It denies what scripture teaches about the church. And I'm not overly sure what all it gets right, to be frank with you, and as I've studied it through the years, but it's a a real mess. Now, Guy Waters uh, was a professor of mine when I was in seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, wonderful guy. I learned a ton from him, and uh, he's still a great uh, scholar, a great defender of the truth. And uh, every time he puts out a book, I, I always will try to get my hands on it. And um, was just recently uh, rereading uh, some stuff about the covenant works uh, in his book, uh, Answering Contemporary Challenges to Justification by Faith Alone. Great book. Uh, highly recommend it. I'll try to remember to put a link to it in the description here. But he also wrote a book called The Federal Vision and Covenant Theology, which is outstanding. And Cal Beisner, uh, the guy that uh, convoked the colloquium at um, Knox Seminary way back uh, in the day with all the Federal Vision guys, including Doug Wilson, and some guys like uh, Joseph Piper and other good, solid Reformed theologians. And it was published in a, a book. Actually, here it is. You want to understand, you know, kind of what the issues are, that's a, a good book. And my, my copies, you know, I've got tabs in it and it's all marked up and everything. Read that years ago. And it was a real eye opener. I really saw just how heretical and terrible uh, the Federal Vision theology really was and still is. But Wilson still holds to all of it. And that's the thing that people need to realize. Um, yeah, he's pulled the wool over the eyes of some Reformed people that ought to know better, but he still holds to the whole phalanx of errors, all of them. Now, uh, Cal Beisner's introduction to Guy Waters' book is outstanding. I just want to read um, a couple paragraphs of this, and then we're going to get into quotations from Wilson that demonstrate that his understanding of what saving faith is, is completely wrong. He does not understand what saving faith is. He doesn't understand what saving faith is, okay? All right, here's Beisner. After nearly three years of reading and listening widely and carefully fully to the Federal Vision's proponents, including voluminous correspondence correspondence with many of them, I am convinced that what the Federal Vision offers is not a renewal or improvement of the historic Reformed faith, but a wholesale replacement of it with a curious hybrid uh, affecting soteriology, that's your doctrine of salvation, sacramentology, your doctrine of sacraments, and ecclesiology. Now, just breaking from the quotation, he's right. 
the Federal Vision, including Doug Wilson, who is the the leader of this movement, um, has completely re- has not not uh, renewed or improved anything. It has replaced the historic biblical reform theology with a curious hybrid of what affecting soteriology, sacramentology, ecclesiology, closely similar to and heavily influenced by the new perspective on Paul associated with James D.G. Dunn, E.P. Sanders, and N.T. Wright. In soteriology, by redefining the traditional terms of the Reformed Ordo Salutis, that's the order of salvation, and viewing them all, quote, through the lens of the covenant, end quote, rather than through the lens of the decree, the Federal Visionists offer a hybrid of three components. The first is a modified Amaraldianism. Can I need to know what Amaraldianism comes from a, a, a theologian long ago named Moise Amaral, um, who argued for a different ordering of the divine decrees. Okay, just, just FYI. Says Beisner, original Amaraldianism posited a hypothetically universal atonement. The Federal Visionists hold that the atonement is, hypothetically, for all in the historical objective covenant, but effective only to the elect, who equal those justified by faith who don't apostatize and wind up condemned by works. Does that, hopefully that makes sense. The second is a modified Arminianism. Original Arminianism affirmed that Christ died as a substitute to pay the penalty for the sins of all people. The Federal Visionists will affirm that Christ died to pay the penalty for the sins of all in the covenant, including some who wind up in hell. One's election ultimately depends on whether he is faithful to the covenant, and one can be justified and wind up in hell through apostasy. The third is a modified Roman infusionism. We are justified at first by grace through faith, but at the last by the merit, despite how much some proponents of that view hate the word merit, of the works produced in and through us by God. In sacramentology, in their view of sacraments, federal visionists offer a modified sacerdotal sacramentarianism, or sacramentalism that borders on affirming the Roman Catholic doctrine of ex opere operato. The sacra- that's the idea of that sacraments are objective and work by the working of the sacrament. It just automatically does what it's supposed to do. The sacraments are objectively effective, meaning a means are an objectively effective means of converting, not only of sanctifying grace, because they are administered by properly ordained people in the community of the faithful. Thus, one of the most prominent of the federal visionists, Steve Wilkins, has said, listen to this. If someone has been baptized, he is in covenant with God. Covenant is union with Christ. Thus, being in covenant gives all the blessings of being united to Christ. Okay, so, Federal Vision teach that happens by baptism. And Wilkins continues, because being in covenant with God means being in Christ, those who are in covenant have all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. End quote. That's Steve Wilkins. Says Beisner, it follows necessarily from these two statements that if someone has been baptized, he has all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, which certainly seems to include salvation in the sense of being destined for heaven rather than hell. Yet, paradoxically, the sacrament's efficacy can be frustrated by the recipient's unfaithfulness. End quote. Folks, this is the kind of stuff that I saw all the time when I was in Ohio. People under the influence of Wilson and the whole Federal Vision gang 
started talking all the time about covenant faithfulness, covenant faithfulness. I don't know if I've been faithful to the covenant. Have I been faithful to the covenant? If I'm not faithful to the covenant, I'm not going to end up in heaven. And I'm like going, what are these people talking about? Where are they getting this from? And then discovering this is coming from Doug Wilson. This is coming from the whole Federal Vision gang. Okay, now listen to what Beisner goes on to say here. In ecclesiology, the Federal Visionists are more nearly Roman Catholic than Reformed. I could not help thinking immediately of the Federal Vision when I read this passage in a recent book on developments in Catholic-Protestant relations. Quote, for Roman Catholicism, Christ and his church are one. The basic confession explains why Catholics can offer salvation through baptism into the church. It is why the Pope, as the Vicar of Christ, can speak without error in matters of faith and morals. It is why only priests, in connection with a bishop, in connection with the Pope, can offer valid sacraments. It is why Protestants may not share a Catholic Eucharist. It is why a church marriage is unbreakable. It is why no one can have God as, the fa as his father who does not have the church as mother. It is why Mary is called the mother of the church. This is why the church is self-correcting. It is why the word of the church is higher than the individual conscience and reason. It is why sin against God is also sin against against the church. It is why Catholics view the Protestant Reformation as such a drastic mistake. A splintering of the church is an attack on Christ himself, end quote. And folks, y'all need to understand, how do the Federal Vision guys tend to dress? They dress like Catholic priests. They wear clerical collars and the whole thing. There, there's a reason for that. There's, there's theological significance to that. Okay, says Weisner, this is, he says, this is not to say that federal visionists embrace all those Roman Catholic doctrines. They don't. But just as Rome's ecclesiology underpins its errors on soteriology and sacramentology, so also the federal visionists' ecclesiology, by taking the metaphor of Christ and the church as head and body literally, rather than metaphorically, nearly equates Christ and the church, and so is the foundation of both their soteriology and their sacramental theology. To be in the church is salvation. To receive the sacraments is to be in the church. Therefore, to receive sacraments is salvation. But after that neat syllogism, there comes a great retreat. Suddenly, salvation in, in the federal vision, salvation doesn't mean one's going to heaven. It means he's been delivered out of the sin-ruled world into the Christ-ruled church. And perhaps, if he remains faithful to the end, it will mean he goes to heaven instead of hell. But it isn't clear just what it means to the federal visionists to remain faithful. <laughs> that's, and, and folks, that's why people kept coming to me. I don't know if I've been faithful to the covenant. I don't know if I've been faithful to the covenant. I remember asking people, what are you talking about? What, what is, quote, the covenant, end quote. And that's when I discovered what's called mono-covenantalism. They think the whole Bible is one covenant. No covenant of works on congregation. Law, gospel, no distinction between the two things. Law is covenant. The gospel's covenant. It's all covenant. And so we got to be faithful to the covenant means keeping God's commandments. That's how you get to heaven. What is the federal vision? It's just a repackaging of the Galatian heresy. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. It isn't clear what the federal visionists mean to, to remain faithful. One thing is crystal clear. It doesn't just mean one believes the gospel. Or in the words of the Westminster Confession, that he rests upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. For faithfulness means something more than faith. As you're going to see in the quotes from Doug Wilson, that is exactly what the man's talking about. Says Beisner, it means measuring up to some standard of what earlier generations, especially the Wesleyan tradition, called evangelical obedience, which is not the perfection demanded by the moral law, 
but some approximation of it accepted in its place, end quote. And of course, that's what Lusk and all the rest of them teach. God didn't expect perfection. In fact, it's not even a matter of scoring 50 above 50% on a test because God's judgment of us is, a, is, is held not in legal categories, but in relational categories. It's the way that a, a new husband evaluates the dinner that his wife made him. It's the way that a loving parent evaluates the artwork of their children. I mean, that's right. That's what they think faithfulness to the covenant means. Okay. Doug Wilson's doctrine of saving faith or living faith, as he calls it, is fatally defective as it is identical with the sinner's obedience and works. Every statement Wilson makes where he quotes scripture excluding works, he quotes Ephesians 2, 8, 9, uh, like a mantra, not by works as anyone should boast, not by works as anyone should boast. It is vital for the listener to understand this. When he does that, he is not excluding all works by the sinner. When Wilson quotes constantly, not by works as anyone should boast, and just in case you think you can take credit for the faith, that's a gift too. He's not excluding all works. Only certain types of works. Make no mistake about it, Doug Wilson teaches that sinners are justified before God by their own works, by what they themselves do. He only excludes what he calls rabbinical works, pharisaic works, Pelagian self-salvation works, or medieval merit theology works. And I would point out this is a distinction with no difference, because the Bible does not make these distinctions. When he affirms that justification is by faith alone, he includes the sinner's obedience to God and works inside of faith. So I just want to pitch out the question. So if I told you, I believe in justification by faith alone, and you said, well, what do you, what do you think faith is? If I said works, do I really believe in justification by faith alone? No. I'm of the perspective um, that interviews where one can be pressed and cross-examined are actually better than written works. If someone's writing or even engaging in a written dialogue, they can always wheeze a lot of stuff. They can always find a way to subtly say something so you, they can accuse you of misinterpreting it later. Interviews do not allow people to, to wheeze a lot of stuff by equivocation, redefinition, accusations of misrepresentation, which is what Wilson's done for 20-something years. Interviews are the most telling. Now, he states explicitly and clearly with, in his interview with a fellow named Chris Arnson of Iron Sharpens Iron, after listening to the historic reformed understanding of faith and works being debated by Otis and Steve Schlissel, and I'm going to link to this in the description here, he states very clearly that the good works of the sinner are more than fruit and evidence of saving faith. Do I believe that uh, good works uh, necessarily accompany saving faith? Yes. Good works are a necessary fruit. They are a necessary evidence that one has true saving faith. That's the view that's articulated in a debate that was played for Wilson. And Wilson says he doesn't accept Otis's formulation. He agrees with Steve Schlissel. He says that works are more than fruit and evidence. They are more organically connected to saving faith than that. And that's the problem. Biblically, it is an essential truth of the gospel to understand faith is not works and does not include works inherently. Works are not of the essence of saving faith. Justification by faith is the antithetical opposite of justification by works all the way through the Bible. 
Wilson states explicitly that the sinner is in fact justified before God by his works. That's what he thinks James chapter 2 is teaching. Biblically, biblically, faith is accompanied by works and bears the fruit of good works. But we are in no way saved or justified by those works, nor are those works included in the essence of what faith is. Wilson explicitly and clearly emphatically rejects that. What I just, the formulation I just gave you. In fact, upon hearing the historic confessional Reformation view of justification by faith alone and works as fruit, Wilson rejects it. Wilson listens to Schlissel's denial of the historic view, the historic Reformed view, and states that he agrees with Schlissel, not Otis, on the matter. He says that works are not fruit or evidence. They are what saving faith is inherently, intrinsically, and thus justification by faith alone for Wilson means justification by the sinner's works, just not rabbinical works or pharisaic works or Pelagian self-salvation works or medieval merit theology works, but it's still our works. And folks, I want to say that's heresy. That's heresy. In the book, Reformed is Not Enough, Doug Wilson wrote this, quote, in the historic Protestant view, good works are inseparable from biblical salvation. Because this is the case, James can speak of justification by works. He is not speaking of rabbinical works righteousness or Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology. So his understanding of James chapter 2 and James 2.24 is that it is talking about justification before God. It is talking about how individuals are saved. So he's saying we're saved, we're justified, biblical salvation is by works. Because you can't separate. You cannot separate good works from salvation. Here we see the false distinction between types of works. This distinction is found nowhere in Scripture. Wilson teaches that the sinner is justified by their works before God. He thinks, contrary to James 2's context, that this is what the passage is talking about. Wilson excludes only rabbinical works righteousness or Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology, but not the sinner's works entirely. Hence, that's a heretical statement, plain and simple. In fact, it really makes no sense if you put James chapter 2 by Romans chapter 4. Paul's very clear. Abraham was not justified before God um, after he was circumcised. It was before he was circumcised. And the instance that's brought up in James 2 is the offering of Isaac, which is years after Abraham was circumcised. So here you have Wilson agreeing with Paul's enemies that, that in fact, were justified Abraham was justified after, justified before God, after his circumcision. Anyone who teaches people that they are justified before God by their works uh, is under the anathema of God, Galatians 1, 6, 9. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if it's an angel from heaven. It doesn't matter if it's another apostle. Paul says, if I myself, if Peter, if John, Thomas, whoever, if they tell you this, they're under the anathema of God too. Now, in the debates, in the interview, and where uh, Wilson, Chris Arnson on Iron Sharpens Iron, played clips of a debate between John Otis, who's a confessional reformed uh, theologian, and Steve Schlissel, who's a federal vision guy. And I took the time to transcribe the debate. And I've played this on other podcasts before, but I, I took the time, this took quite some time, to transcribe the key section. Arnson plays a clip 
from Steve Schlissel. After Schlissel claims that the Doctrine of Sola Fide is antinomian, and, and here's, here's what was played for Wilson. So Ar Chris Arnson played this, this clip for, for Doug Wilson in an interview. So here's what Wilson heard. Arnson says, well, John Otis does believe that the works and the good deeds are necessary evidences. Schlissel says, no, no, forget evidence. Are they necessary or not? And did Abraham obey God or didn't he? The Bible says that God chose Abraham because he knew he would obey him and keep his commandments and teach his children to do the same. Now we're told that obedience is an optional or is necessary only for evidential value of some sort of justification that came by faith. I say that God can make people who have no understanding into faithful people. And then Arnson says, John, could you respond to that? Which Otis did then respond to that. So that, that's the clip that Arnson played for uh, Wilson. And now here's Wilson's response to this, right? Here's, here's the, the discussion that they had. Arnson then says to Doug Wilson, quote, here's Arnson. Well, it seems from that exchange and from the entire exchange that Steve, being a representative of the federal vision, uh, he was actually pushing John Otis throughout their brief exchange to prove justification by faith alone from the scriptures. And he specified, don't use Romans or Galatians. His reasoning behind that is the doctrine of justification. If it's, if it's biblical, you wouldn't need to use Romans or Galatians. You would be able to find it elsewhere. But, Doug, do Steve's statements in that exchange trouble you at all? Wilson says, yeah, I would say it's more troubling because of the confusion in it than the heresy in it. This is how I think it's confused. He says, are the works necessary or not? Well, I would say yes, but a necessary what? I would say necessary condition which is not the same thing as a necessary ground. Okay, so just stop, stop here for, for a moment. He's saying that good works are a condition of justification. He, he continues, what is the ground of our justification? The instrument of our justification is faith. The necessary consequence of having been justified is our works because we're justified by a living faith, as the Westminster Confession says, and not by a dead faith. It is, it's no dead faith. So the faith that God gives for us to apprehend the righteousness of Christ at the moment of justification is a faith that is spoken into existence by God, and it doesn't go out of existence a moment later. It's living faith, and it continues to live. But when God declares me righteous, it's because of the obedience of Christ, not the obedience of Wilson. Because if it were the obedience of Wilson, I'm going to hell. My works are not sufficient. You look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're not saved by good works, lest anyone should boast, but we are saved to good works. For we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. So the good works are absolutely necessary because that's how God does it. But they are not necessary as a foundational thing. They're not a prerequisite for me to me being saved. They are the result of me being saved. And Chris Arnson says, right, but the thing that troubles me, because I agree with you, that's why I made the clarification with Steve that John Otis does not believe in easy believism or cheap grace. He does not believe that you just need to offer some kind of mental assent to the truth as the demons do, which obviously we have the warning in James' epistle that even the demons believe and tremble. But when I said to Steve Schlissel that John does believe in the necessity of, of works as an evidence, or as you just said, a consequence, consequences, but Steve clearly radically opposed that notion. Wilson says, right, and I would say that would be an example of how Federal Vision folks could misrepresent their opponents as believing in cheap grace when that's not the issue at all.
If everybody believes that if you're saved, it's going to be the perseverance of the saints and the perseverance of the saints in holiness, if you affirm that, there shouldn't be any charge of cheap grace at all. And Arnzen, Arnzen's really trying to get him to face the reality here. Arnzen then says, yes, but what about his own view? He seemed to be denying that works were only an evidence of true justification and salvation. He seemed to be implying that he, he seemed to be muddling. I, I transcribed this exactly as he said it. He seemed to be muddling the differences between the temporal and earthly covenant that God has with Israel in the old covenant and how obedience and disobedience affect you with how one is justified before God and being given an entrance into heaven for all eternity with him. There seems to be a muddling of that difference. I mean, do you see a difference between those two things? Now, please listen very carefully to Wilson's answer to this. He says, quote, I would say it's a muddling of categories. I do think I would probably agree with Steve that the fruit of belief is more than simply evidence. It's more organically connected to saving faith than that. End quote. Now, you got to catch that, folks. Here, in that exchange, Schlissel, Schlissel, I don't, I've never heard anybody, including Roman Catholic apologists, I've never heard anybody who hates the gospel more than Schlissel. Hates it. He, he, he thinks it's antinomian, just like Paul's enemies did in Romans chapter 6. But Wilson is listening to a debate on this issue where you have one man, John Otis, who's defining stuff correctly, biblically, and another, Schlissel, who is including our obedience as being what saves us and justifies us before God and gets us into heaven. And when pressed with this, Wilson says, I agree with Steve. The fruit of belief is more than simply evidence. Okay, stop. The fruit of belief is just that. It's the fruit of belief. It's not what belief is. It's not included in what faith is. It's the fruit that grows on the tree. So just very clear. I do think I would probably agree with Steve Schlissel that the fruit of belief is more than simply evidence. Now, if Wilson really is reformed, if he really is one of us, and he really holds to the Westminster standards, and he really believes the biblical gospel, why on earth would he not say Schlissel's wrong and Otis is right? Works, fruit, are evidence, necessary evidence of saving faith. But he doesn't. He says he agrees with Schlissel. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, but I, I'm weary of people sending me stuff. See, he defines it correctly. The problem is his definition of saving faith. Upon cross-examination being pressed, Wilson denies the view held by historic Reformed churches, namely that faith bears the fruit of good works. Wilson, upon this cross-examination and being pressed, says clearly that works are more than simply evidence of saving faith. Works are organically connected to saving faith. This is why Wilson's affirmation of justification by faith alone is meaningless. He thinks works are inside what faith is. They're not what necessarily accompanies faith. Works are not the fruit of saving faith. Works do not accompany saving faith. Works are what faith is to this man. John Otis gives the biblical, historic, reformed understanding of this. Wilson hears it. 
Barnes impresses him. Wilson tilts his hand and shows his cards and says Schlissel is right to reject and vehemently oppose Otis's view that works are fruit and evidence. Wilson says he agrees with Schlissel. Works and fruit are more than simply evidence. Wilson listens to the historic Reformed faith, and he rejects it. And he affirms the view of a glowing heretic, Steve Schlissel, instead. I hope that people recognize the significance of that. The scripture, faith in Jesus Christ, excludes our works completely, entirely, all of them. Later on in uh, these, the stuff I've compiled here, nine page, 11 pages of notes, you're going to see Wilson making a distinction between types of works, which actually I've already read some of that to you, and where no such distinction exists in, in Scripture. A person who believes in Jesus to save them stops believing in their works to save them. Believing in Jesus is the opposite of working for salvation. Mixing believing with working is fatal to the gospel. Galatians 2.16, therefore we may, knowing this, that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Okay? Romans 4, 4 and 5, but to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And then two participles are used. But to the one not working, but rather believing on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith, which is not working, is accounted for righteousness. If one believes in Jesus, they are not working for their salvation. To try to mix working into faith is fatal to the gospel. And that is what seven NAPARC denominations rightly pointed out about Wilson's theology of salvation. Now, more evidence here. Here's a, a blog post by him from a, a blog, blog post titled, Like a Gelatinous Pudding. So, says Wilson, quote, in the New Testament, obedience is a good word. Also in the New Testament, works is not. Works is not a good word, unless it's modified with a word like good. We're called to good works, but we are not saved by works. By way of contrast, sinners do not obey the truth. The Lord is the author of eternal salvation for all who obey him. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. But the bottom line is that simple words, obey and obedience, should not set off alarm bells for people who read their Bibles. Of course not. They, they shouldn't. And his book, Reformed is Not Enough, I already read this quote to you. I want to read it again. In the historic Protestant view, good works are inseparable from biblical salvation. Because this is the case, James can speak of justification by works. He's not speaking of rabbinical works, righteousness, or Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology. But they're still our works, made possible by God. So he is saying, we are justified by works. And he agrees with Schlissel. Works are not just fruit and evidence. They are more than that. And there's the anti-biblical distinction. Wilson teaches that we are justified by our works by what we do. But he says these works are not rabbinical works righteousness or Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology. You know who else has made that very argument to me dozens and dozens of times? Roman Catholic theologians and apologists that I've interacted with on the internet. We don't believe in justification by works. No, not, not rabbinical works or Pelagian works or self-salvation. It's all made possible by grace. But to Wilson, you know, the works that we're justified by, they're still 
our works. They're still the things that we do. So we are saved by works, justified by works. They're just not a certain type of works. So Wilson teaches we are justified by our own works, by what we do. Because that's only excluding certain, or, excuse me, how can he say and affirm that we're justified by faith alone apart from works, not by works, the same one should boast? Why does he say that all the time? Because that's only excluding a certain kind of works, namely rabbinical works righteousness or Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology. So for Wilson, there are works that the sinner does that justify them before God. They're just not rabbinical works, Pelagian self-salvation or medieval merit theology. The problem is the Bible does not make a distinction between our works and rabbinical works righteousness. When God's word excludes works from justifying us, it means all our works, not just certain types of works. Also from the book, Reformed is Not Enough, quote, Corey Soraya notes the importance of this in questions of apostasy, quote, the means by which men apostatize from the covenant is unfaithfulness. The means by which men persevere in the covenant is faithfulness. In other words, to assert that men fall away because their salvation was contingent upon continued faithfulness in the gospel is not to deny the sovereignty of God at all, end quote. So how do we, uh, how are we saved? Well, it's contingent upon our continued faithfulness in the gospel. That's what Wilson says. And that's why people kept coming to me, I don't know if I'm going to be saved, because I, I don't know if I've been faithful. I don't know if, I, if, my, if I've been faithful to the covenant. That's a, a phrase people kept using. I don't know if I, you know, have I been faithful enough to the covenant? I remember wondering, what are you talking about? Have I been faithful to the covenant? What does that even mean? What, what is the covenant? Well, that's the mono-covenantal era. They, they, the whole Bible is just one giant covenant, which is absurd. There are covenants, uh, approximately nine distinct covenants, but they, they fit under the heading covenant of works, covenant of grace. But, you know, salvation is contingent upon continued faithfulness in the gospel. That's what Wilson teaches. You're saved by your faithfulness to the gospel. And I would just ask, is that what we preach? When I preach the gospel, when I fence the table for communion, this is for those who are persevering in covenant faithfulness to the gospel. But it is, no. How are we saved? Our faithfulness. Faithfulness in Scripture, on the contrary to this, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not the means of our salvation. We are not saved by our faithfulness, and if that was the case, everybody would be damned. He says here, quote, faith is the only instrument God uses in our justification. You see, you see why it's meaningless? He includes our works as, as being what faith is. Wilson says, but when God has done this wonderful work, the faithful instrument does not shrivel up and die. It continues to love God and obey him. Now, folks, you got to catch this. Faith in Jesus Christ does not love God. And faith does not obey him either. Faith in Christ is resting upon the finished work of Jesus Christ alone for the entirety of salvation. The Christian continues to love God and obey him. Doug Wilson consistently misuses the synecdoche of faith working through love from Galatians 5-6 and absolutizes it into a gross error that he repeats like a mantra. Now, what is a synecdoche? A synecdoche is a very common literary device. It's used in scripture. And it's used, you know, 
I, I think Galatians five six may be the um, the only place it's really used like this with regard to faith. But we're told in Galatians five six, faith working through love. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. See, faith is works. No, faith is being taken as a part for the whole. Now think think about this. Think about this. When the ship captain calls down to the lower decks, all hands on deck. What does he mean? Does he want everyone to amputate their hands and throw them up on the deck? He said, all hands on deck. What does he mean? I want your whole body up here. I want your whole body up here. We do that kind of thing very frequently in language, apart for the whole. Faith in Jesus Christ is part of who I am. And so when scripture says faith working through love, it's talking about me working. The Christian does good works, not my faith. Faith rests upon Christ alone for salvation. But it's a synecdoche. It's speaking of a part of who I am, my faith in Christ, as though it was me. That's all. There's no reason to absolutize Galatians 5, 6 and say, see, faith is works. Faith is works. Faith includes works. No, it doesn't. That is a synecdoche, faith working through love, meaning I work. Okay? A justification by a faith that works through love is not the same thing as saying that we're justified by faith and works of love. Isn't that obvious? Okay, Wilson says, quote, uh, about faith, if it doesn't continue to love God, if it doesn't continue to love and obey God, but just lies there like a corpse, then we have good reason to believe that it was lying there like a corpse some days before, not being therefore an instrument of justification. Faith without works is a dead faith, and a dead faith never justified anybody. Now, now we're back to talking about it biblically. But why, why are we heretics? Because we say faith cannot be separated from trust and obedience, and because we say saving faith cannot be separated from a life of obedience and trust. No, it's not that. It's that in your writings and in your speeches and in your interviews, you say faith is obedience and trust. Actually, it is trust in Christ, relying upon the finished world of Christ. But you're saying it is obedience. It is works. And in fact, we are justified by works, according to your statements in other places. That's heretical. That's not what Scripture says. In an interview with Christian Renewal Magazine, uh, Wilson, in uh, a section called the Monroe Force Speak, was asked this question, Doug, when you cite continuing in goodness in Romans 11 in your 2002 lecture, is that the cause of our salvation or the fruit of it? Wilson's answer is yes. We just interviewed a family, wonderful family for membership here at church with a lot of kids. I asked one of those children um, who was probably 13 or 14, I asked that exact question. <laughs> Are good works the fruit or the cause of our salvation? You know what that little girl said? The fruit. I said, but, but don't you think we have to do good works? Well, yeah, because we're thankful to God for salvation. But are our works the cause of our salvation in any way? No. They're only the fruit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if that little girl had said, yes, good works are the, are the cause of our salvation, that would have been like, okay, uh, no, not, not approving this one. But Wilson, Wilson gets it wrong. Hey, our, is our continuing in goodness, is that the cause of our salvation or the fruit of it? Yes, he says, and everybody laughs.
It says laughter all around. And then Wilson clarifies, look, in Colossians, Paul says that you, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. So the way we become Christians is the way we stay Christians, is the way we finish as Christians, by faith from first to last. So faith is walking with Christ. So you become a Christian by walking with Christ. You stay a Christian by, by faithfulness to Christ, by walking with Christ. And that's how you get into heaven and finish as a Christian, by, by walking with Christ, by your faithfulness, by your works. So we can, he says, so we continue in God's goodness by trust. We stand by faith. They fell, but you stand. Doing that to the end is how you come to your salvation. So that's how you're saved, walking with Christ. Is that what the apostles taught? Is that what scripture says or teaches? Nope. Okay. All right. So how, how can he still say, he, I believe in sola fide? Well, what does he think fide is? Works faithfulness that's the problem folks that's the issue and there's a few more things here um uh, wilson's name is still affixed to the joint federal vision statements uh they deny that there's a distinction between the law and the gospel i would maintain if you don't affirm that distinction there's no possible way you can understand the gospel when it comes to how we're right with god if you don't make the distinction between law and gospel you're definitely not a christian because if you think that obeying the, the law or faithfulness to the law or our works is in some way what saves us or justifies us, there's no way you're a Christian. Okie dokie. Let's see. There's more. There's more quotes, but uh, do I really want to read all this stuff? Uh, he says, works are the animating principle of faith. This is from page eight of, the, of that pink book of this thing, his essay. Yeah. Um, let's see what else have we got in here. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, I'll, I'll read one more thing. I don't want to belabor the point here. There's, there's more, there's more stuff we could read here. I've got so many quotes on here. I just don't feel like reading the rest of them. Yeah, here, here's a guess. He says this is from his 2002 lecture about the visible and invisible church. When we say that all of God's word is perfect, converting the soul. When we don't divide it up into law and gospel, when we say, when we don't say law over here, gospel over there, when we say it's all gospel, it's all law, it's all good. When we say that, someone is going to accuse us of Phariseeism or legalism. That's right. That's right. Uh, the law and the gospel are not the same thing. The law demands and inflicts a curse. The gospel freely gives. If you say, you can't divide scripture up like that. You can't say there's law over here and gospel over there. So the Ten Commandments, that, that's good news. That's good news. Even though Paul says in Romans 4.15, the law brings about wrath. No, that's, the, the law is gospel. The gospel is law. It's all good. Clear as mud, isn't it? You see, one of the problems here, it doesn't matter how I criticize this. It doesn't matter how I criticize it. But you just don't understand. You're missing the ships passing in the night. That's all they can say. This is theobabble. It's heresy on its face, but then when we say, hey, it's heresy, oh, you just don't understand. Oh, stuff just disgusts me. <laughs> it just, it really does. Okay. Okay, here's the question. So here's a good question. This is from the Monroe 4 Speak Out. Okay, listen to this. The question posed to him. So there's justification, and ensuant to that is sanctification, a one-two step. Whereas for you, it's all of a piece? Listen to this answer. 
Wilson says, quote, justification to them, that would be a, like people who hold to scripture and the historic reformed faith, justification to them is something that happens and has to be tied up with a bow, and then we can move on to sanctification. So that's the view he rejects. I would like to say that's actually a helpful way of putting it. And in fact, I've used that before. <laughs> uh, justification is something that happens because it's an act of God acting as judge, whereby the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, Romans 4, 6. Our sins are not imputed to us, Romans 4, 8, and we are declared to be righteous. It is a once-for-all forensic legal declaration about our status before the law, and it, it is indeed tied up with a bow. And then we move on to sanctification. Justification is an act. Sanctification is a work, a process. And that's the view he rejects. Listen to it. Here says Wilson, quote, Justification to them is something that happens and has to be tied up with a bow, and then we can move on to sanctification. But when God gives faith, that faith doesn't immediately croak. It is a saving faith. No, time out. Remember what he means by faith. What is faith to him? Works. When God gives faith, that faith doesn't immediately croak. It's a saving faith. And that same faith is the lone instrument for sanctification also. One can't be apprehended without the other. They are distinct but not separable. And listen, he contradicts that in the next sentence. You can't make an ontological distinction. It is an organic whole for us. So here's what the Bible teaches, folks. Here's what I teach. This is what I've preached and taught for my entire Christian life, especially in all my years as a ruling elder and as a pastor for 21 years. Justification is something that happens and is tied up with a bow. Then you move on to sanctification. That's how it is to be understood, preached, and taught. Wilson spells that out and rejects it. What does that tell you? You can't make an ontological distinction. Justification, it's not something that happens that's tied up with a bow. That's what they think it is. That's what those other guys think it is. Incredible. Just incredible. Now, I've listened to Wilson's entire exam. You can actually go out there and listen to his presbytery exam. Unfortunately, nobody asked him the key questions. Not one of the presbytery questions was specific enough to get him to settle once uh, one of the major issues in the whole controversy. Knowing that many have been upset with the Federal Vision's definition of faith as obedience, someone could have asked Wilson, do you believe that faith, that the faith that justifies us is a one-time act that pardons all our sins, completely independent of any obedience that we might do? No one asked him that. No one turned to chapter 11 of the Westminster Confession dealing with of justification and took Wilson through it phrase by phrase, asking his understanding of each phrase. They should have. But Wilson is clever enough to make sure he's never interviewed by anyone knowledgeable enough to expose this. Chris Arnson did a good job in his interview, and Wilson tilts his cards. He will not condemn Schlissel. And even when Schlissel is hating on the gospel, hating on the gospel, Against a man, John Otis, who loves the gospel, when push comes to shove, Wilson defends Schlissel. And Arnson at one point says, so are you saying that my friend Steve Schlissel believes in justification by faith alone? If you listen to the interview, Wilson says, yes. 
If Steve Schlissel believes the gospel, then I am a Roman Catholic cardinal. Well, uh, I didn't read everything in here because I don't want to. But I hope that's been helpful to you. Um, the issue is not the, the definition of justification. The issue is the definition of saving faith. Federal vision men push their own version of the Galatian heresy by including the sinner's works in their definition of saving faith. And that is absolutely fatal to the gospel, fatal to Christianity, and uh, faith in Jesus Christ bears the fruit of good works. It bears the fruit of obedience, but saving faith in Jesus Christ is not works and is not obedience. It looks away from works entirely to Christ alone for salvation. And when Galatians 5 verse 6 says faith working through love, that does not mean faith is work. It's a synecdoche, a part for the whole. That means the Christian works through love. Hope that's been helpful. Thank you all for watching or listening.